Matthew 17, 1 through 9, the author writes, Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up to a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud a voice said, This is my son, the beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground. And were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them saying, Get up, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they were coming down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I invite you to be seated. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. One of my favorite channels to watch on TV is Investigation Discovery or ID for short. Anybody else watch that channel? I love that and, and other channels that, that show a, a documentary or, or murder mystery or based on real life and chronicled by, by the people who are actually involved type shows. You know what I'm talking about? One of my favorite shows growing up when I was little and uh, it was Unsolved Mysteries. But it had to be the Robert Stack version. Okay, he did it the best, the original. That was one of my favorite shows growing up. Did you ever watch that show? Or America's Most Wanted? Yeah. Or who remembers hard copy? <laughs> hard copy. When that one came on, it was my indication to change the channel. Uh, but all of those shows, I, I, I love watching those to this day. But when I was young, and my wife still does this to herself, I would scare myself so badly sometimes after watching these shows that I often could not go to sleep. It got to the point when I was young that I even had the bedroom windows in my bedroom painted over in a black, black paint so that nobody could see in them and nobody could come in and get me in the middle of the night. Did I mention I was on the second floor? 
with no outside access to that window? How many of us scare ourselves unintentionally at times? But it is very real to us in the moment. In today's scripture, this is exactly what happens to the disciples. And this is what they did to themselves. They scared themselves. No, they, they didn't watch a, a show on TV, but they fell to the ground in terror because of how similar this experience that they were going through was to the story that they all knew from Exodus. A story out of Exodus chapter 24, verses 15 through 18, that they all knew very well. And this hit way too close to home. So listen with me, if you would, to Exodus 24, 15 through 18. The scripture says, Then Moses went up to the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. The Lord's glorious presence settled on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it for six days. On the seventh day, the Lord called to Moses from the cloud. To the Israelites, the Lord's glorious presence looked like a blazing fire on top of the mountain. Moses entered the cloud, went up to the mountain. Moses stayed on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. You ever have a deja vu moment? I love the word deja vu. It's a French word. You know what it means? It means already seen. Deja vu means already seen. The disciples knew that they had heard this same exact sequence before. Exodus as the prelude to all of this thus more than justifies the terror that the three disciples felt with what they were seeing in the present. They now also heard a voice from the cloud. And the voice said, if we picture it together, picture a massive thundering voice. But I picture in this moment the voice of God being a docile but loud, soothing but almost overbearing type experience. This is my son whom I love dearly. I am pleased with him. Listen to him. Can you picture that voice in your head? Here's the thing the disciples knew. They knew that if they were hearing the voice then they too were being called into the cloud, the bright light. They were being called into the glorious presence of God. They were being called, as they recall the story in Exodus, into the consuming fire, or what appeared to be the consuming fire. They knew that they weren't Moses, much less Elijah or Jesus. So what business did they have going into the presence of God? That was their thought. 
that was where their mindset was. Yet still, they were being summoned to face the living God. And here's one thing that we all must take from this today because they knew it going in and we must face it today. When we go into the presence of the living God, we must come out of the other side changed. We must come out a different person. Sometimes beyond our own imagining. So fear to the core of their beings was not the wrong response here for the disciples. We can't fault them for being afraid because if everything in the prelude of Exodus had prepared them for, this would have been an appropriate response. However, Jesus' response to this was perhaps not what they expected. And how often is Jesus' response to us not what we expect at all? But it's exactly the response that we need. Jesus' response to them was this. Because they were so afraid, they had fallen to the ground in terror. Jesus says, and I can picture him extending his hand. A hand that has yet to be pierced with the nails of salvation. Jesus extended his hand saying, Get up. There's no reason to be afraid. So then what could be going through the minds of the disciples in that moment? The prelude in, in, in Exodus had not been misleading at all. In fact, the story that they knew of Moses and Mount Sinai didn't, uh, wasn't in, in, in fact... Uh, not, uh, wasn't in fact misleading, but it did in fact point to this very moment. It, it led to this instance. Paul perhaps put it best in 2 Corinthians when he said, the glory of God shone in the face of Jesus Christ. They were being summoned like Moses into the glorious presence of God. But it was a, a glory that they had already known. It was a glory that they had already learned from. It was a glory that they were still following. And it was a glory that they were going to continue following and they followed it all the way to the cross. Folks, the greatest thing that they learned that day and the reason that we celebrate this Sunday called Transfiguration was because it was the day that Jesus was declared by God as His Son. Jesus is the glory of God. And God bid them and God bids us listen to him because he will preach my message. Listen to him because he will walk my footsteps. Listen to him because these are the footsteps you too are called to walk. So 
after the experience. They headed down the mountain. And Jesus tells them the most puzzling thing I can think of. And perhaps you're thinking the same thing. Jesus does this very often. It's not the first time we'll hear this. Jesus says, tell no one else about what you've seen or what you've heard. I've always wanted to know, why not? When we see something spectacular and amazing, if it hasn't already made it up to Instagram, then we want to call somebody and let them know the, the, what we just witnessed. Do we not? In this world today, most people know what happens before we know it ourselves because of social media and the internet and all these things. But Jesus says to them, don't broadcast it, don't post it, don't tell anybody else about it. The first test of the voice from the cloud was the reason why Jesus told them not to tell anything. The first test from the cloud, the first thing that God commanded them whenever he presents Jesus as his son is what? Listen to him. Therefore, before we can go and tell others about Christ, we must first know what it means to follow Christ ourselves. The first test was to focus on our following of Jesus. Focus on what it looks like to be a disciple before we can teach others what being a disciple looks like. Oftentimes we forget to make that a point in the church, don't we? We're so consumed with wanting to spread the mission of the gospel and bring others into a transformative relationship with Jesus Christ, but how oftentimes do we forget that we too need to be transformed? How oftentimes do we forget that we too need to focus on our following of Jesus. And it's not selfish. It's biblical. It's in the following of Jesus that we most witness His glory. It's in the following of Jesus that we experience His glory the most. And where they were to follow next, perhaps not even they understood. In Matthew's gospel, as they came down the mountain at the bottom, uh, they witnessed Jesus cure a horribly wrecked, uh, a boy that's been horribly wrecked by seizures. At the time, they would have understood this to be a sign of possession of a demon. A demon that none of the other disciples had been able to cast out. But Jesus heals this boy. This is the glory of Jesus. Having compassion and strength in the face of disease. This is the glory of Jesus. Having courage in the face of destruction. 
That is the glory of Jesus, setting an unclean child and his family free. Listen to him. Focus on the following. There was also a part two. After Jesus' resurrection, the story of the transfiguration was to be told yet again. We see it later in 2 Peter, chapter 1. 2 Peter 1, verses 16 through 21. We see the story of transfiguration again. And these are the words of Peter. It says, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we had been eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received honor and glory from God the Father when that voice was conveyed to him by the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this voice come from heaven while we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic message more fully confirmed. You will do well to be attentive to this, as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in our hearts. First of all, you must understand this, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation because no prophecy ever came by human will, but men and women moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. In part... Peter told this to, uh, to, to shore up his authority. I was there in the flesh. I was an eyewitness to the situation. So you should listen to what I have to say. You ever know those people? I was there, so you should listen to me. Well, that's true. <laughs> so this is probably one of the reasons that, that Peter told these words. But, but did you notice the repetition of of those words that we heard not only in 1 Peter, but we heard the same words in Matthew, we hear them in Exodus, the words that are repeated again and again, listen, pay attention, and follow. Follow. But, but what Peter is trying to communicate to the people in, this, in, in his version of the story is, is don't follow us, the disciples per se, but follow the one that we're pointing to. Follow the one that we're following. Don't do this just because we're telling you to do it. Do this because you want to follow Jesus. This was Peter's message. He says, we have heard the voice of the majestic glory calling Jesus Son and calling Jesus Beloved. We're not making this stuff up, he says. We saw this and heard this ourselves. You can trust what we have to say about Jesus. And it's Jesus that we're pointing to, just as the voice on the mountain was pointing to Jesus. Follow us as we follow him so that you too can learn how to follow him yourself. 
Folks, that is our calling as children of God. To follow Christ so that way we know what following means. So that way we in turn can teach others what following Christ means. It's a cycle that repeats over and over again. But it's a time-tested cycle that is the design of God. Focus on following Jesus with everything that you have so that you too can lead others to focus on their following of Jesus. The Feast of the Transfiguration, which we celebrate today, the Sunday that, that links together the season of Epiphany and the season of Lent, is not primarily a, a, a commemoration of this event that took place in the life of Jesus. We don't have this Sunday as a commemoration day. If it were a commemoration Sunday, then, then it would be a sign of disobedience to the very story that we tell on this day. The voice from heaven clearly instructs Peter, James, and John not to set up shrines to commemorate the event. Instead, their call and our calls are to keep listening to the teaching of Jesus now revealed in all his glory. What they had witnessed that day was no razzle-dazzle. It was no special effects CGI spectacle but rather a powerful, symbolic affirmation of all that was at stake both in Jesus himself and in their and our continuing obedience to him. That's what transfiguration was all about. And the message we should get from it is this. Focus on the following. So the question then for us this week is this. How will we focus on following Jesus this week? What will that look like in your circles, in your daily routine, in your getting up, in your going through the day, and in your lying down? What will focusing on the following of Jesus look like for you this week. This is the gospel message for transfiguration. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.